Welcome back, guys, to another episode of In The Zone. I'm Chris Martelli, and today we will be talking about fantasy rankings. I know we did our top 10 uh, positional rankings, but that was not based off of fantasy. This time around, it's going to be based on fantasy, and today we'll be starting with the wingers. But man, there are so many good wingers. We need to start with some honorable mentions. I'm going to put it to Pinello. He's going to start with his list of honorable mentions. Who did not make the cut? Who did not make it? I got seven names here. We'll start with Artemi Panarin, which is a very tough one for me. I'm actually still upset about it. Taylor Hall. Mm-hmm. Played half of last year. Oh, so close. Yeah. Uh, I got Claude Giroux here, who you can argue can be on the list every year, but it really is preference for a lot of these guys. Patrick Laine, uh, Tarasenko, <laughs> Phil Kessel, Jonathan Huberdeau. All coming off, maybe not so much Laine, but coming off amazing years, they can easily be in this list. But for me, they just missed the cut. Yeah, see, for me, my honorable mentions, very similar. Uh, I had number seven, Phil Kessel. Um, going to Arizona, I'm not really sure fantasy-wise what he's going to do. He's going to play with Clayton Keller, uh, Nick Schmaltz. He could put up 70 points. Uh, Claude Giroux is number six. Five is line A. Again, I, I, I really value go- like I value goals, so he could get 40. Um, Jamie Benn, I also have on the list. I, I could see him getting like 75 if uh, Sagan can, you know, if he wants to step up as well. Panarin, Hall. And Jonathan Huberdeau are my honorable mentions. I just made Huberdeau miss. I had him overhaul because he just came off a 94-point season. And Alex Barkov is his line mate in that. That's pretty damn solid. So with our honorable mentions, I want to start this list with Giancarlo Alino. So Alino, who is your number 10 on the top 10 uh, winging, winging fantasy wingers, whatever you want to call it? My top 10 is uh, one of your honorable mentions, Phil Kessel. Oh. Uh, I think with Arizona, he's going to be the one option that they look for to score with Clayton Keller. Uh, he gets a lot of shots every year. Uh, so that you need on your lineup. Uh, power play goals, he's going to be uh, relied on there in Arizona. Goals, you know what he can do there if he's not in the slump. He scores in bunches and then assists off Clayton Keller. I think he could be a good, solid number 10 fantasy pick. What do you, uh, for points, what do you have for him around this is going to be a surprise, but I got 88 points at the end of the year for Phil Kessel. Nice. I don't see why not. You see the years with the Leafs where he had absolutely no one. He would still score 30 every year, 80 points. I am on board with that. Is this me now? It's next? you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my number 10, I have uh, David Posternock. Oh. Who uh, back-to-back years putting up 80 points, 30 goal seasons. I think he can be a 40-40 and 40 guy. Pretty much every year. He's arguably on the best line in hockey. Uh, yeah, obviously room to, to move up some more. He's only, what, 24, 25 years old, something like that. I think a little. I think 22. Yeah, see, I'm off here. But, yeah, young player, already three amazing seasons under his belt. He's number 10 right now. Yeah, um, I really agree with uh, the Phil Kessel. Uh, 88 points to me is it's a little high, but... It's not out of the question. Like you said, we saw Phil 2010, 2011, or 2011, 2012, one of the years he had 80 points with the Leafs, and that seemed like impossible. So he's got Clayton Keller. He's definitely not going to have a season like he did last year again. I don't think he will. I think Keller, to me, you can compare him to a Goudreau. He's very offensive-minded, not really strong in the, in the defensive zone, but he's still young. 
And hopefully Keller can bring some life into Phil Kessel's game. And I think that power play could be very, very scary. And of course, my number 10 as well is David Pasternak. He's gotten better tremendously. And Pasternak is a guy that you could arguably blame for Marchand's offensive elite level of play. I mean, Pasternak to me could get 40 goals. He could even... Like I put beside my notes here, I put he could arguably win the Rocket. I think he's got that mentality. I think he's got that ability. He's definitely got the skill for it. I are, I hope he doesn't win the Rocket, but I could easily see this guy getting like 95 points this season. Um, I think sky's the limit for Pasternak. I'm going to go with David Pasternak at number nine for all the things you mentioned. I just – the only – question I have is if Patrice Bergeron can maintain what he did and he is obviously getting older but I don't know there's something about his game that with Pasternak getting closer to like the peak and prime of his career he's just gonna get faster he's gonna get better will Bergeron be able to maintain his declining years to work with that so I think Pasternak maybe to number nine a lot of people might even have him in the top five over his line mate I won't mention his name uh, <laughs> but yeah I got him at number 9 uh, number 9 I got Blake Wheeler who back to back 90 point years uh, this guy he ages like fine wine just keeps getting better he seemed to have hit his peak at like 29 or hit his potential at 29 Um, yeah he's the main playmaker on that team he's a lock for 20 goals and 50 assists every year he gets a ton of shots too um, I, I, I think he has a couple more years left at this pace He's 33 now, so the questions are going to start coming into play. But he's still a premier player for me, so Blake Wheeler at number nine. Yeah, my number nine is uh, Blake Wheeler. (laughs) Um, If you guys want a top playmaking winger in fantasy, Blake Wheeler is probably top three when it comes to generating assists. Uh, I know the power play, he likes feeding Shifley, he likes feeding Line A. Connor's in front of the net a lot more too now, so Wheeler can get it to him. Connor, like you said, I mean, uh, Wheeler, like you said, 50 50 assists, 20 goals is basically a lock, 70 points. He's 33 now. Um, So, like, I don't really know how many great years he has left. Like, a lot of people always scratch their head with fantasy. There's always a veteran that kind of explodes out of nowhere. Like, Giordano this last season had 70 points. No one really thought that. Um... Yeah, I really don't see Wheeler slowing down, at least not this year. I have him getting around 90 points again, as long as Winnipeg keeps the same core with Connor, Lyonet, Ehlers, Bufflin, like all those guys on the point, power play, Wheeler could get 90 points. And of course, he's probably a top three power forward as well in the league. So for me, Blake Wheeler, if you guys want that number one playmaking winger, you take Blake Wheeler. So he's my number ninth ranked winger. My number eight is Johnny Gaudreau. This is a little lower than I probably would have put him, but the only reason why I have him this low is the plus-minus in fantasy. And Calgary, goaltending is a little bit of a question mark there. I saw what they did, maybe like bringing in Talbot to basically trade off with Smith, and I don't know where that's going to go. So if he's going to be on the ice for a lot of goals against, it might impact where he's ranked in the top 10 of fantasy overall but I think he's going to get a lot of points like usual a lot of assists off Monaghan he's going to score some goals he's going to be on the power play so I got Johnny Gaudreau number eight uh number eight I got Miko Rantanen back-to-back 80 point seasons uh 
very similar to Wheeler in the, the way that he plays. I think he's one of the better young power forwards in the game. He's got Nathan McKinnon by his side. And on that power play, we saw in the, in the playoffs, and if you paid attention to them during the season, they just dominate other teams at times. And it's those two leading the way. Uh, they really improve their um, their second line too. So maybe they're not there's not as much pressure for them to score with they got Kadri and Burakovsky and others. So I think that'll take some of the pressure off them. But, you know, I still think he'll get around 30 goals and 90 points just to add on to his amazing uh, start to his career. So for now, Rantanen at eight. Uh, number eight for me is the guy that Giancarlo Alino hates, Brad Marchand. Uh, I had to just put him slightly ahead of Pasternak just based off of the 100-point season he just had. Uh, and in the playoffs, he also shows up. So Brad Marchand is a player that you could look at. He gets points. Uh, love him or hate him. He is a pest. He is a goon. But the last three years, he's arguably been a top five winger in the league. It, it pains me to say that. Trust me, Alino. I don't want to say that. Um, I have him slated for probably another 90-point season. I don't know if he'll hit 40 goals. I think Pasternak will get more goals than Marshawn this year. But I do think Marshawn will get around 35 goals, 50 assists, something like that, around 85, 90 points. He does it all. Even if your fantasy league has hits and penalty minutes, it's uh, he's up there. So, yeah, Brad Marchand to me is number eight. If you have additional categories like that, he's probably higher on your list. So Brad Marchand is basically the guy that's been driving the offense in Boston, and it's going to continue, at least for me, this next upcoming season. I have him at number eight. It's going to be a stretch with this pick, but uh, I'm going to go Capocaco, number seven. I think he's going to be a monster coming out. <laughs> Be on New York's line with Panarin, and I think he's just gonna, you know, shoulder all that uh, game while Panarin, you know, goes around. It's a good little technician with the puck. Capo Caco is gonna use his body, get in the position to score, be in front of the net. I have him finishing the year with like 65 to 70 points, but earlier on, I think this is gonna be a great draft steal in all your fantasy Uh, leagues. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Number seven, I got Mitch Marner, who's uh, coming off a career year in points with 94. He's by a mile the best playmaker on the Leafs. Uh, You just look at the talent on that team, and whenever they touch the ice on the power play with Matthews and Tavares and Marner and Nylander and Riley, it's it's not even fair at times, and Marner has all the space in the world to go cross-ice to Tavares. So I really, I honestly think 65 assists on the year is not out of the question. He could very well be top three in assists with McDavid and maybe McKinnon. I, I would put him there. But, yeah, Mitch Marner, uh, he, it may look like Wheeler at the end of the year with 20 goals and all those assists, but 100 points, I, I honestly believe he can do that. Just got to get that uh, ink to the paper. I just got to say with Alino's number seven, that that makes history. <laughs> Cap, Cap, Capo Caco being seven on the list is unreal. How many goals do you think he gets in his first season? 25. 25? See, I even say more than that. I I, I, I could see him getting 30. I think he's going to get more 30. assists off Panarin. I, I would say 30, but like with Panarin there, he's probably going to take some of the goals away, but he'll get secondary assists. I think Kako will be uh, – he'll get drafted, but I don't think he'll uh, – He has two positions. He has two positions. Yeah, I, don't think he'll, I, don't think, I don't think he'll get drafted. I mean, I don't think he'll be a top 10 winger next year, but – yeah, he's uh he's he's really flashy and he kind of reminds me 
I don't want to say like, like I don't want to say like a Rantanen, but like I, I look at him and it's like this guy's a machine and he could skate and he could generate all the offense in the world. Kako's going to be a stud. You know, we talk about the states with all their prospects coming yeah, it's up. It's Finland now. It's basically yeah. the same thing with Finland. Damn. It's weird how that happened. Like, Finland was like a joke, and then all of a sudden, like, five years straight, they've produced these elite players. Not even. Like, remember when they won, uh, when they killed us in the semis, the, the Pogliarvi, Line, Yolevi, that, that team? I'd say two years after that team, it was kind of whatever. And then the last, like, two, three years for Finland, it's been... It's been solid. So even their goalies finally coming up, like the goalie that Buffalo just drafted, uh, uh, Yurko uh, Lukanen or something. Like he's Luka Pekka Lukanen. That guy. <laughs> that guy. That, it's, it's a, yeah, it's that guy. Pekka Lukanen. Yeah. So it sounds like a, a tongue twister. I don't know. It sounds like a Lukomania, like the Timbits we have here oh, in yeah. Canada. <laughs> but yeah, no. I, I like I like I like how Alino throws it off with Kako. I like that. Uh, and you have the typical Mar. I think I, I have Marner higher than that. Um, my number seven is Miko Rantanen. I think that this guy, though, I don't know where anyone, like everyone has him. I kind of have him in the middle between overrated and underrated because a lot of people last year had him insanely underrated. They're like, yeah, he's not really going to generate the offense. McKinnon, you know, he does. But, man, Rantanen, now I'm looking at it and I'm thinking of the numbers that I'm seeing the salary that people are projecting. Like, I think these guys are actually overrating Rantanen now. They're like, oh, this guy, he had two unreal years. You can't really base it off that. He's not as consistent yet. We got to see what he does. I think all these questions are going to be answered after this year. I could see him getting 90. I could see him getting 30 goals. A lot of people say that's a stretch. I don't see it. McKinnon likes, he likes passing the puck as well. Like you said, top three probably in, in assists, um, but Miko Rantanen to me, arguably, don't be surprised if he get if he gets 100 points. That's all I'm going to say. Don't be surprised. He's got that ability. He's got the speed, the strength. One of the best young power forwards. Rantanen and McKinnon, they're going to torch the league for years. So I got Rantanen, number seven. Rantanen, number six. Everything <laughs> you mentioned. Uh, I just think if he doesn't sign, though, because he might be one to hold out just a little bit. Because he's going to take advantage of his three years to maybe make like some. I don't think certain. I don't think he will only because McKinnon is his center. Yeah. If there was like any, if he was in any other position, like let's say he was the winger in San Jose, Ooh. then maybe he could be like, do I want to play with Couture? He's like 29, 30. Like, do I really want to sign eight years? You know what I mean? But he, McKinnon's 24, and it's like, yeah, okay, we're we're going. Like, I'm 21, you're 24. Let's do it. That's, he's only that age, too. He's just destroying the league. Yeah, he's definitely a top six. Everyone's going to have him off, even if he's not signed by then. But he's definitely getting drafted high. Now, a lot, a lot of people say how great of a GM Ray Shero is. I know. I think it was uh, Lou Lamorello did this draft for them. Was it Lou? In 15? Uh, I think so. Yeah, he fucked up. He really did. Zaka. <laughs> could have had was that the Zaka draft? He'll never Can you just goal. say all the names after that they could have drafted? Uh, I think Wierenski was there. You got to think of this fantasy wise. Okay, keep going. Wierenski, Krovorov, Timo Meyer, Miko Rantanen, bunch of scrubs. Matt Barzell. This guy named Kyle Connor. Kyle Connor. <laughs> Besser. <laughs> Fucking DeBrusque. 
Oh, oh yeah, it's it's a long list. I don't want to depress you now. It's okay. It happens. <laughs> Superstar. <laughs> Oof. Superstar. But uh, yeah, number six for me, I got Leon Dreisaitl. Okay. Which was this was the hardest one. I didn't know where to put him. Uh, but yeah, 105 points. It's <laughs> you can't really ignore that. No. But you know, you look at the two years before. He had 70 and 77. <laughs> So and then just, <laughs> a long pause. He, he kind of explodes this year for obvious. Like he doesn't get a lot of love because of Buddy that he plays with. Yeah. So it's like, oh, it's it's just because of McDavid. This guy is a fucking horse. He does everything. Everything you want in a player is Leon Drysaitel. The only question is like, is he a center or is a wing? And no one really knows. <laughs> I'm just kind of curious to see what he does this year. Because, like, I kind of pencil him in for around 40 goals and 90 to 95 points. If he does that again, like, I don't see why he can't move up on this list. I, I want to ask you, was this an anomaly, this one year? Because if you look at the book, they were basically bashing him. You saw it. They're like, yeah, like, he had 105 points, 50 goals, almost won the Rocket. Because the second half, I swear to God... I think he had 30 goals after like he he after the all-star break he, I, like him and McDavid I don't know what the hell they ate they literally got I want to say 57 points after the all-star break <laughs> and I think Dreisaitl was like 12 goals behind Ovi and he caught up right at the end and I think the book said that McDavid had 67 of the 105 points that were that related to Dreisaitl. So again, I got to ask, is 105 points, is that like the absolute most he can get out of a season? Because this season to me right here, I feel like it's too good to be true. And I don't think it can be consistent with 105. Unless McDavid's getting 130 every single <laughs> year the next 12 years. Then maybe I will put Dreisaitl top five or top three. Mm-hmm. But right now, I have him in and around like 90 points. That's my like peak for him. I don't see him getting 105 points. Now, people are saying in the book, yeah, does Dreisaitl win the Rocket? Yeah, he could. Can McDavid win the Rocket? Yeah, he could. I think McDavid could get 50 goals, no problem. It's just he likes you know generating it. He wants to pass the puck, share it. That's why McDavid will get you 80 assists every single year. But, yeah, dry side on the meat is the biggest question mark at any player on the list. Because you look at him, he kind of reminds you of a Shifley, but fantasy, he could be better than Patrick Kane. So it's like, where the hell do you have him? Because his style of play doesn't really... For me, I don't see... When you think of a dry side, do you think of an 100-point player? I don't. Just the way he plays, I don't see 100 points. I do think of a point-per-game player, though. I do, but I don't I don't think 100 points. This might be a little, a little much, but like if he got 85 or 90, would it really be a disappointment? No. No, but th- no, that's what I'm trying to get at mm-hmm. with like people drafting, because this is like a, a, a fantasy. Don't draft him sixth overall or seventh overall. You know what I mean? That's literally the only question. It's where's where is he playing? Because no one really knows what he is. I'm just saying I, I don't want I don't want everyone overhyping him because like he is McDavid's yes guy and McDavid like I love him. 120 points is arguably it's it could happen every year, but 
I don't want all these poolers out, all these guys out there getting dry side all at like sixth overall. And it's like, do you really see him getting 54 goals and 110 points this year? I think the fact that they have to play them together just really says how little depth they have. And that's that really team. sad. That's, it really that's is. the main takeaway. Yeah. But I, I don't know. What do you see for Dreisaitl? I don't know. I think 100 is possible if he's playing with McDavid, but their team's so bad at center that he's going to play center probably this year. Okay, let's let's, let's pretend that there's no McDavid. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> 80 points. This is a different ballgame. I know, I know. This is where it gets interesting. Who do you compare him to if there's no McDavid? Is it Shifley? Because that's like yeah. my Shif- biggest in between, comparison. Yeah, in between Shifley and Barkov. Somewhere in between there. I like that. He's also... Would you say he's a, uh, would you say he's a step ahead of Shifley? I think so, because he is more of that dynamic goal scorer. Yeah, he Not is. Not like Phil Kessel, but he, he, you know, he's very smart in the way he scores different goals, tons of different ways. But um, It's crazy. See, if we put Dreisaitl in our centers list, you know how much harder it would have been? <laughs> yeah, we kind of shafted him, so we, we're giving him some love today. We're talking about him, yeah. <laughs> he will is. be on the power play, though, so I think yeah. a lot of his cookies will be from there. You got Nuge there, so... Another guy, Nuge, he had like 60-something points last year. A lot of people are saying, oh, he's going to get 75 now because he's finally becoming the player he was supposed to. He got to relax. <laughs> Just got to relax with the role he has. I could see 60, and I'm fine with 60. And that's nothing more because one and two will mooch everything. Literally. Why would anyone else score? <laughs> well, when your second-line right-winger is Alex Chason or James Neal, you're not really doing well, so – yeah, well, hopefully Kyler Yamamoto pans out for them. But yeah, for me, number six is Mitch Marner. Uh, I had Mitch Marner, I think, on our top wingers. I think I had him fifth, so he kind of really, really hasn't moved. But kind of like what Pinello said, 65 assists is not out of the question. I could even say like 70 is not out of the question. Our power play is probably going to be ranked in the top five the next couple of years with Tavares and Nylander and and Matthews and I'm smirking and Riley and Barry and all these players and we're we're generating all the offense and Marner's the guy that actually runs it all so to me Marner getting 100 points not out of the question is Mitch Marner like a Goudreau yeah is he an x-factor to lead the league in points yeah I think uh when all is said and done at the end of his career besides all this contract stuff I could see this guy having an Art Ross by the end of his career at least one, and if you could, you could probably call me crazy with that because we do. We're in a league with McDavid and Matthews and all these other guys, McKinnon. But Marner might be one of those offensive guys you just look at, and it's like, yeah, I could see this guy getting more points than McDavid in a year. And really, like in a couple years' time, where the hell does Mitch Marner go in our pools? Because I could easily see him going first round. That's like that's the offensive ceiling I have for him. 100 points next year, not out of the question. That's my thought. I'm going to keep him there at number six. 100 points, not out of the question. I have Mitch Marner at number five. Uh, I think he will eventually sign before a training camp, maybe during training camp. I don't think he's going to hold up like Nylander, but with the year he had last year, Monster. he blocks shots, he scores, he's on the power play, gets assists. Uh, I think that's going to help his value a lot. And maybe they'll put him with Matthews sometimes. I doubt it, but no. that would be a good option for Mike Babcock to 
experiment with other things. I know he doesn't like to do that. That's the one thing he has not done with this lineup. <laughs> yeah. He just loves keeping that same truculent one uh, guy on the line, like a grinder, like Hyman with a torn ACL over Matthews, and just run them until they can't move. And that's Fuck. yeah, one <laughs> bad part about it. But I think Marner could get 90 points again. Oh, God. Number five, Brad Marchand. Oh, fuck. Let's get this over with. He yeah, had 100. He did. And 85 the last two years. Didn't he have 85 in like 63? Yeah, that was the second 85-point year. But yeah, when you when you put the bullshit aside and you really look at it, he's on that line with Bergeron and Pasternak. He does a lot for Pasternak. <laughs> a lot of cross-ice on the power plays from Brad Marchand. I think I said it in our uh, top uh, players list. He just got to cut the bullshit out because he is one of the better players in the league. But he gets he gets away from that when he starts doing other antics. But I, I can really see something similar next year. I think he's peaked at a hundred. Oh. Absolutely. I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna argue that I'm at all. Quote the hockey news: Fucking four years in a row. Yeah, he's peaked. No, 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 he's peaked. Okay, now he's peaked. Now I'm saying. He's finally peaked. So we'll say 90 to 95, but I think he'll do the exact same thing next year. CK, he's 31 years old now, and we've been saying he's peaked since he was 28. And the 2011 playoff performance he had was actually insane. When you look back at it, a lot of people were saying Sagan is the guy that's running Boston. And now you look at it, it's kind of funny. It's Brad Marchand. Like, yeah, okay, Bergeron's a guy that literally, he's the heart and soul there, but Brad Marchand's a guy that's been running the offense the last three, four years. Love him or hate him, that's it's the truth. And, uh, yeah, he's 31 now. The league is getting quicker. Pasternak, I think, is going to take a larger role this year. I really hope he's he's healthy. I hate seeing the really skilled guys get injured because he was injured a bit last se- last season. But, man, like, I said that last year about Pasternak, too. When he faced us two years ago in the playoffs, and he had, like, I think he had 21 in, like, 12 games, the, like, two playoffs ago. I thought last year he was going to get, like, 95, just break out, and he got injured. So, like, the hockey news with Marshawn saying he's going to slow down. I think Pasternak's going to pass Marshawn, but Marshawn is still going to get around 85. When do you see him slowing down? Because this line is – it's money – but you have Marshawn, who's 31, and you have Bergeron, who's turning 34. So when is this line going to slow down? I don't think they will. I, they got a few years left. There are some examples in the league, like guys like Wheeler, and if you go out there. Ben, yeah. arguing. Um, you know, just because you get to a certain age doesn't mean you're going to slow down. It can mean you get better. You saw Eric Stahl going to Minnesota. Everyone looked like he was going to be out of the fucking league. When he was with the Rangers for a cup of tea. And oh, that was just awful. Explodes again. So, yeah, I think Marshawn's going to do it again. I think that whole line's going to do it again for a few more years, Fuck. unfortunately. Number five. We just talked about him. Leon Dreisaitl. Uh Yeah, I can't put him any higher. I don't want to. Um, <laughs> the players ahead of him are just too elite. Uh, I really don't have a lot to say. He had 50 goals last year, 105 points. I think the Hockey News book absolutely over overrated him. They had him at, what, 110. They said he's going to do this the next six, seven years. It's like, okay, like 100 points the next seven years. That's already 750 points later in your career. How many points is this guy going to get in his career? Is he going to be a top 50 all-time scorer? I don't know. Um, but, yeah, Leon Dreisaitl, I do have high expectations this season for him, but I don't see him being a first or second-round player in any draft. 
Um, unless it's like the 12-team league, then sure. But I don't see him being like in the Patrick Kane, in the Sidney Crosby, in the McKinnon, in that company. I don't see him being in that at least this year for fantasy. He's in the Shifley, the Barkov, the the Marner. Like he's in that category. So basically the second tier, um, the guys that I have simply – the next five guys I'm going to mention are just basically a little bit ahead of them. But dry sidle guys, again, I do value goals. And to me, he's probably a top five goal scorer in the league next year. At least that's what I'm going to predict. So for me right now, he's number five. But like Pinello said, he could easily move up the list next season. And unfortunately, with my number four, go with Brad Marchand. Uh, the only reason I have him here, I think he's peaked. I don't think he's going to get as much points as last year. I think he's going to do something stupid this year, and he's going to get a lot of penalty minutes out of it, and it's going to raise that value up, put his <laughs> ranking up there, because as we've seen in the past, he likes to do things that are stupid, licking people. Um, just He's a great guy. Uh, <laughs> Brad Marchand, number four, and uh, the Leafs are taking him out this year, so boom. That's it. <laughs> All right, number four. Johnny Gaudreau. Nice. I had him so much higher on this list than I originally thought I would. I thought I'd have him around where Alino did at 8 or 9. No. But, um, yeah, I'm just looking at the 99-point year and the 84 points. and The 87 and, yeah. Where, where I project him going forward, uh, like, like you said with Marner, I think he's one of the guys that could potentially lead the league. Just because that McDavid guy and Kucherov and everyone thinks, okay, hold back on everyone else. But this can definitely be an X factor. Uh, he's heavily relied on with Monaghan. Oh, my God. Yeah. I think Monaghan plays a perfect role. He just kind of plays off Gaudreau, and Gaudreau kind of runs everything. Uh, their setup's amazing in Calgary. They have tons of talent around him. They do. All younger than him, too, which is hilarious because yeah. he looks like a ninth grader. He's a, <laughs> he's a straight-up passer, but he's had two 30-goal years already. So the guy just fills up the stat sheet plus minus would be the only thing like Alino mentioned earlier but I can see 100 points next year yeah my number four is also Johnny Hockey um I think moving forward me and this guy probably have the same list I'm just gonna predict that uh Goudreau I have getting 103 points this year I had him last year for fantasy he absolutely torched the first half second half he slowed down he went under a point a game but hey that's fatigue when you run the offense on one team and you know teams are gonna start you know, noticing what you do and what the strategy is. And that's simply what they did, even with guys like McKinnon and Rantanen by season's end, teams were shutting them down. But uh, yeah, Goudreau, like Pinello said, 100 points is definitely not out of the question. Um, ever since he broke out with that 87-point season, I think it was three years ago, a lot of people were saying this guy has already surpassed Kane. That was when Kane was coming off of, I think it was... He had 87, and I think Kane had like 82, and then Kane the next year had 89, and I think he had 84, and then both of them hit a – well, Goudreau I think had 99, and then Kane had 110 this year. So they're both around the same for me. Like Kane is obviously the safer pick right now, but Goudreau in the next couple of years, he could be a top five fantasy player in the league. and. It's crazy to think that because he is on Calgary. There's never really been a fantasy dominant player other than like a Ginla in Calgary. So it's it's a breath of fresh air, at least for me, because, you know, over the years you have the Crosbys, you have the even guys like these are old names like Datsuk, Zetterberg, all these guys in the West. And, you know, you would always look at Calgary back in the day and it's like, OK, a Ginla, no one else. So now it's kind of like you have Kachuk, you have Lindholm, who's broken out. Thank God. 
uh, Monaghan. You have, you know, Jordano on the point. You have a guy like Shillington, Rasmus Anderson, offensive D that can carry the puck to guys like Gou- – so Goudreau's got a lot of support. I think he will get 100 points. And another, like I just said with Mitch Marner, I think at the end, when all is said and done, he's going to have an Art Ross trophy to his name. So for fantasy guys, Goudreau, he's a good guy to take. Number four. My number three, Patrick Kane. Chicago, uh, I think he hasn't showed signs of slowing down, even though he's getting to that age where maybe the prime of his career and the best number totals are behind him. I still think he can do a lot more. I, I think he has another 100-point season left in him. Uh, Chicago, they had some rebuilding, retooling. I think they could make the playoffs this year with their team. Yeah. Uh, Kane and Taves are a big part of that. I see Patrick Kane leading this team with points, plus, minus. Everything. Everything that he usually does. <laughs> Number three, Patrick Kane. Number three, Patrick Kane. <laughs> 110 <laughs> points. <laughs> uh, oh, I love it. Yeah, just to add on that, uh, it, it doesn't matter who he plays with. You know what you're getting out of Kane. Uh, probably the most skilled guy in the league. Um, I, there's really – we've been stressing these things for the last decade – you just you're struggling to come up with things to say. The only the only reason why I didn't have him at two is because sometimes he gets injured and when he gets hurt he misses half the fucking year. And that's the only reason why his ranking goes down just a smidge. But whenever he plays, he never disappoints. Um, you know he's got the Brinket by his side. He's gonna have a 40 goal scorer beside him, which will look nice on paper. So Patty Kane at number three. Uh, my number three, Alex Ovechkin. <laughs> yeah uh i have him slated at 48 goals that's my prediction for this year that's still solid but i don't think he's winning the rocket richard and i don't think he's winning it ever again that's my prediction well, that's bold that's bold i don't think he's gonna win the rocket ever again um i love ovechkin i just think there are goal scorers in this league but that are a lot younger and i think that they could finally come out this season i'm not gonna really say any names but there are a couple 40, 50 goal guys that I look at in this league, and it's like, well, they, I'm looking at this guy as a 50 goal scorer, and he hasn't really hit 40 goals yet. So there's a couple guys that I'm looking at this year, and I think they're going to absolutely tear the league apart. So Ovi, I always value goals. I value shots. I value plus minus. Ovi's going to get you all of those. But man, when it just came, when I did this list, it came down to points at the end of the day. And Ovi, I love Ovi. But he's not going to get more points than Patrick Kane. He's not going to get more points than Nikita Kucherov. So Ovi's my number three, and I'm sticking with it. My number two, Alexander Ovechkin. He's going to get a lot of goals. I think he's going to get 52 this year. Nice. Over the 50 mark again. Hold on. Before uh, before we say anything, I I, I want him to, to get 50. <laughs> I don't want anyone thinking that I hate Ovi. I love Ovi. I have an Ovi jersey upstairs. I love him. I just... I want to see other guys win it. He's won it so many times. Let's just someone he's else win it again. <laughs> Fifty-two. Uh, he's getting at the power play goals, hits. You know, he throws a body around. Uh, plus minus. I think it's going to be a little tough because Washington's going to have a little bit of a decline in their roster. They with, might hit uh, the slopes. Yeah. yeah. Especially because Nets off doing uh, mandatory drug testing, whatever that means. Okay. Uh, yeah, just Ovi. The reason I don't have him number one is because I think like his age, I don't think he's just going to play as much as he used to. Maybe 18 minutes a night, so like 21. So the playing time might take a little bit of a hit, but he's still going to score goals, less assists, but the power play numbers will be there. Yeah, number two, Alex Ovechkin. 
yeah. Best goal scorer in the last 10 years. I take him first round every time I have the chance. You do? Uh, I don't think he'll outscore Kucherov and Kane, but he'll get more goals and shots and have better plus minus probably. Um, yeah, this is probably the safest guy you can pick. He doesn't miss a game. <laughs> yeah, he is, yeah. <laughs> no, he misses maybe three games every five years. And for <laughs> <laughs> the guy, he's a horse. He's oh my god! He's, he's the guy's just the machine. He seems to keep getting better. Everyone's waiting for him to decline, and then he scores five more goals the next year. Uh, I have him scoring fifty again. I don't know if that's going to win the rocket because there are a lot of young guys in this league that could uh, potentially pass him. But Capocacco first yeah. year, but, uh, sixty goals. <laughs> I got him for fifty goals and like around four hundred shots. What he usually does. So <laughs> oh my god. for me, that's good for number two. Yeah, that see, 400 shots sounds like an absurd amount of shots. It's like him and then 10 other guys with 70 less shots. For yeah, like place. like it's Ovi, and then it's like Burns, Sagan, Eichel. Evander Kane. Evander Kane. <laughs> uh, who's another guy that shoots a shit ton? McKinnon, uh, McKinnon now shoots a lot. Dreisaitl shoots a lot. Believe it or not, I think... I think Kachuk shoots a shit ton too, and he doesn't score a lot. <laughs> Eichel, I think, has the worst shooting percentage in the league. Probably. <laughs> Actually, no. Well, well, Skinner had 40 last year, but he also had 357 shots. Yeah, that's not happening again. Did you see like how many shots the top line produced on on Buffalo? It's actually hilarious. It's like nine. It's like 900 shots. They <laughs> combine. Yeah, 900 shots. How many goals you that line get? Like 65. That's it's okay. No, not 65, like 90 maybe. But still, that's awful. That's like a 10% shooting percentage, and that's not good. Yeah, my number two is uh, Patrick Kane. Um, I I do agree with what Pinello said. When he is injured, he misses like 35 games minimum. But when he's healthy, he gets triple-digit points, and it's basically a lock that he'll get you a 20-game point streak. The kid's just a freak. I still call him a kid because he looks like one. He's 31 years old. He's... Probably the biggest game changer since Crosby and Ovi. You could put him on that status. Yeah, there's really not a lot much left to say with Patrick Kane. He's been doing this for 12 years now. This is going to be his 13th season already in the league, which is actually, it's fucked up. Like, Crosby's already had 15 seasons in the league. He's already at 1,200 points. He's only 32. Yeah, Patrick Kane to me, I have him getting 100 points again hoping that he's healthy it's crazy to think that three years ago me and this guy were laughing at Chicago's team how they had no depth they basically didn't have a centerman behind Taves they draft Nick Schmaltz they trade for Dylan Strom they draft a Brinkett in the second round and it's magic and now they're already looking like a fucking playoff team again Duncan Keith has declined, but they got Eric Gustafson, who all of a sudden wanted to get 60-plus points. Okay. Brent Seabrook, mind you, might have the worst contract in the league. But other than that, they also just signed Robin Leonard. Things are looking pretty bright in Chicago. So, Patrick Kane second. And number one. Nikita Kucherov. Yeah. He's going to be leading Tampa Bay and scoring again. Shots, goals, assists, power play assists. And the only th- good thing that fantasy is a regular season because he doesn't have to worry about getting bounced in the playoffs. So oh. his rank still stays at one. So Akita Kucherov for me, the best winger. Yeah, he in is. Fantasy. Yeah, same. What do you have, like 75 assists last year? 
No, I think he hit 80. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was around there. I think he had 80 assists. I'm not even kidding. He won an assist a game. Who does that? On top of 40 goals. Like, I don't, is he the guy in Tampa yeah, over I think Stamkos so. I think for so. fantasy? Yeah. Yeah? It's not even close. <laughs> I, I Like, three years ago when he hit 100 or – did he hit 100 three years ago or two – no. When they missed the playoffs, remember that year when Cooch at the end of the year – was tearing teams apart by himself, getting four points. Then the year after that, I think he had 89 that year, three years ago. They just remember Tampa just missed the playoffs and were like, how the fuck did he miss the playoffs with that team? Remember all year, though, they were like shot with injuries? Yeah. So he had 89 (laughs) and we're like, okay, maybe. And then 100 and now 128. (laughs) So it's like, okay, this guy is the guy in Tampa. We got to love Stamkos. I love always healthy now. But, yeah, I still take Cooch over Stamkos, fantasy. Yeah. What about just in, in general, I should have said? Like when you look at Tampa Bay and you think of Steven Stamkos, are we leading to a point now if uh, Kucherov does it one it's, more time? It's, he'll be the it's guy funny because we say that centers is the premier position, but when you have a premier winger that gets you 100-plus three years in a row, and his stats have been going up the last five years. It's gone from 61, 67, 72, 89, 100, 128. So, yes, I think he's peaked at 128. <laughs> but still, man, like he would go on tears. Like, hey, in the playoffs this year, he had two points in three games, which is awful. Um, in his career playoff stats, 61 and 65. So even that, you're basically a point a game in the playoffs. Last year, he had 87 assists, 87 assists. 128 points in 82 games. He went a plus 24. He had 246 shots and he had 48 power play points, which is, you don't, usually players don't get over 40. I think, yeah, I think 40, like Kessel did a couple years ago. That was insane. So like, I'd say the max for like a, like a really good staff for power play points is around like 35. Anything over that is just yeah, 48 is retarded. I think the main thing for me, though, is that he's progressed every single year he's been in the league. And it's, yeah, and he's only 26 years old. So everything's <laughs> going right so far. Everything. And I mean everything. Like, okay, so 2014-15, he had 65 and 82. Which was the breakout. That was like, yeah, oh, hey, guys, like, I'm Nikita Kucherov. The next year, he had 66 and five less games. So one more point and five less. Then he had 85 and 74. That was the year they didn't make the playoffs, then 180, and then 128 in a full year. So, mind you, his his penalty minutes have gone up every year. So, can you imagine, instead of having 62 penalty minutes, imagine he had like 15? Oh, that's, <laughs> that's drastic, though. That is. Okay, maybe not 15, that's but like... like Ryan O'Reilly, who wins he, the award. He, he had a 20-minute increase from the year before, and he had 100 at 42 minutes, and then he had 128 at 62 minutes. So what you're saying is 140 points this year. Could have been. Yeah, <laughs> it could have probably happened. Yes. And like the last four years, 30, 40, 39, 41 goals, you're basically... Like he's going to get you 36 hundred percent. So, yeah, he's the number one fantasy winger for me, and it's not even close. Not even close. Yeah. Not even close. But, yeah, moving forward, we're going to go to the ring, talk about AEW. Uh, it, w- it was a fun event. Uh, I unfortunately missed the Battle Royale, 
Did you guys watch it? No, never. Not even bother. No, I know. I know. Pinello watched I heard it. Horrible things about it. Um, yeah, it was a basically three people just did the eliminations. Uh, Nyla Rose eliminated ten. Britt Baker eliminated five, and then like three others eliminated one. That was literally <laughs> it. Pinello, what were your thoughts on this? Was the result surprising? Obvious? Uh, surprising? Yeah, I didn't. Because Nyla Rose started the the Battle Royal, and just we've seen so many of these. And like whenever you see someone start it, it's like okay they'll they'll go far and then you know bottom five and then they'll get knocked out. Yeah, and she went on a fucking tear, took out ten people, and there's your winner. I am pretty surprised with that. The match though was uh, by far the sloppiest on the card. <laughs> Very unfortunate, but there are a few names in there that you know they had some. Uh, some time to showcase what they got. So that's what he was there for, and good for her for winning it. I'm surprised Britt Baker didn't win that since all the investment they made in her and uh, being the elite, bringing her as a first woman signing, and just everything they've done with her, I think they should have made her win it and face like Nyla Rose down the road as like a big challenge. But Nyla Rose gets a shot and should be a good one. Hopefully the match isn't as sloppy, but have my doubts about that i just hope that it's not a squash match um i yeah like Britt baker i thought was winning this but nyla rose like, getting the win it, it makes sense as well you know you want that publicity yeah like we like it's kind of like what we talked about with jericho like she's the first trans wrestler maybe if you put the AEW woman's title on her it'll mean a little more i don't know that's just my way of looking at it but yeah i thought Britt baker was for sure the one to win it I thought maybe she would even become the first ever AEW Women's Champ. I know you probably don't agree with that. She's not as good as people, you know, promote her to be, but she is still solid. But yeah, Nyla Rose getting the win is fine for me, and I probably see her winning the AEW title. Um, but yeah, next is Private Party versus Angelico and Jack Evans. Private Party winning. Pinello, you were the only one that watched it. <laughs> <laughs> How was this one? Yeah, these four together will never not be good. And, uh, you know, I was watching the match and I look over at Dan. I'm like, I forgot this is the fucking pre-show because it's just top quality stuff going on. And, you know, you know a lot about Jack Evans. Just he's 40 years old and he's flipping around like he's fresh out of wrestling school. And him and Angelico, they're so smooth together. And you throw in Private Party, who a lot of people are still uh, not as familiar with and this was such a great street profits yeah, yeah. basically <laughs> <laughs> literally it's an awesome uh, stage to showcase this on so this was for the tag team tournament so they move on and yeah you look at the tag division overall now we're going to talk about it later it's just it's stellar stuff so far any thoughts yeah missed the match. <laughs> you know, i just like the match after that the scu yeah source pretty good stuff there what are your thoughts on jungle boy does he have a Does he have a really solid future? I think so, but he's still developing. Yeah, like, oh, I yeah. would hold off on him a little bit, slowly build him up. He's still really young. Like he's not a guy who's like thirty four and just getting his break now. Like, oh, my dad was an actor. I like wrestling. Okay, bring him over. But he's like a young kid still, uh, starting out. And AEW starts up this big promotion. He was a great guy who on the indies got a lot of attention. I'd say just maybe another six months, like work with them more, establish them with some of the other guys. I think he'll be fine. I don't think there's any rush with him because like he's, what is he, our age, a year younger. Yeah, like 
he's a very relatable guy. Everyone's going to get on board with him. But the stuff he's doing right now with Luchasaurus and Marco Stunt, when I see them walk out, like visually, that's the fucking funniest thing ever when I see those three together. So I think they're perfectly suited for each other. I love it. I just thought it was a great way to kick off the show with having the veterans like win. Like, yeah, Daniels, Kazarian, Scorpio, Sky beat out Jungle Boy and the Luchasauruses and all the young green prospects there. Um, yeah, they're going to they're gonna be good. I, I don't know when they're going to get the breakout, but you got to give them some time. It's so cow, man. Come on. Yeah. They got to get the win there. Uh, up next, this was when I just came in. Um, I'd say maybe halfway into the match. Pac versus Kenny Omega. Now, I thought Kenny Omega was – he needed this win. I thought he was going to get it. He did not win. Pac made him pass out. What are your thoughts on that? I'm not a fan of this. I love the match. Incredible match. Don't get me wrong. But Kenny Omega is a guy that you, like, just right? the cornerstone of the company here. The whole waiting of even announcing AEW in January was because it was closer to the date where his contract, he was able to talk with other people. So to have him, like, really... He beat Seema on the Fighter Fest thing. Like, he hasn't really had that big singles when he lost to Jericho. Then he won the tag. So as a single star, maybe this is a whole storyline developing. But I think it kind of shoots down his character that he passed out. Yeah, he's uh, still getting his feet wet in AEW. But um, I love it for Pac because there's a lot of controversy there before. And everyone was shitting on him. Even though in wrestling, you can never really know the full story. It's just dirt sheets and all that. So he finally makes his debut. And uh, there's no better way to debut for me than to pass out the best wrestler in the world. So from that side, I love it for him going forward. But for Kenny, he's not going to be in that world title picture because he's uh, he's 0-2. I don't know if you count that Fighter Fest win. I don't know their rankings. But his name's not going to be there because he's been losing. And uh, for Pac now, he's got all the momentum in the world. The only thing that threw me off, really, was that this was second on the card. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When I, when I remember when I went to collabs and I look at the TV and I see them two, I was kind of upset. I'm like, oh, man. Like, did this open? And then they're like, no, this is a second match. I'm like, okay. I love it for Pac. I hate it for Kenny Omega. I think this guy needed to be the first AEW champion, and I thought he was. That was way out the window when he lost to Jericho. I thought that was – I laughed at that. I didn't think that would happen. And then here he is. He loses to Pac in Pac's debut. debut but, like, Pac, you got to love him. He's one of the best uh, – I don't know how he was ever a face, ever. He's <laughs> the, one of the best heels, arguably, in AEW. I'd say he's probably the second top heel behind Jericho after that win. A lot of people probably – they don't like the status he's in. You know, a lot of people are questioning it because – you know, what he did the first time when he's like, yeah, I, I, I don't want to be in AEW. It cancels my plans on it, with the other promotion he was in. So, you know, there was a lot of conspiracy with Pac. And then he came in and he basically said, yeah, like, I'm a threat. Pay attention to me. I choke. I made Kenny Omega, you know, faint. And uh, I, I easily see Pac winning the AEW title. I don't know when, but I easily see it happening. And I don't want to say against Jericho, but... It'll probably be against Hangman. And, uh, moving forward, though, Pac is definitely going to be uh, gonna be scary. Um, but, yeah, next we had was uh, the cracker, <laughs> cracker Barrel Clash. I guess this is another word for no DQ. Um, Darby Allen, Joey Janela, and Jimmy Havoc. I said Joey Janela. 
He said Joy Janela. You said Darby Allen. We're all wrong. Jimmy <laughs> Havoc wins this one. I don't know why. Um, but yeah, what are your thoughts on this one? I really enjoyed it. This was a fun 15-minute sprint. Dead on 15 minutes. I just love the buzz when you saw these three names. When you first found out they were going to be in a match and you're just like, someone's going to die. <laughs> There's going to be some... Like Joey Janela says all the time, I want to die in that ring. And Darby Allen does things that you feel like he's going to die after he takes those fucking coffin drops. And then Jimmy Havoc is a... He's fucking insane yeah. with his staple guns. and But like there were so many cool hardcore spots in this match. It was just so much fun. It was perfectly placed in the card right after a, a one-on-one really heated contest between Pac and Omega. So... I, I loved everything about this. I kind of hope they run with this Cracker Barrel uh, advertisement and make it like the hardcore division over there. Because uh, they got some sickos who, with staple guns like Jimmy Havoc, a skateboard with thumbtacks. I've never seen that before. That was awesome. <laughs> I'll lead off him. And then uh, there was that other spot, the paper cut. Where Jimmy Havoc, oh my, the guy's crazy. The yeah. Oh yeah, that's fucked. But I wanted to see Joey Janela win because the poor guy, like, thumbtacks against John Moxie, he just headlined a card, and <laughs> it's like they're th- Mick Foley over there, he's their version, just Literally, go, go yeah. ahead through the thumbtacks, you'll be okay, don't worry. You're not getting shit though. Yeah. He got the cigarette stapled to his forehead too. Oh, that was rough. At the first pay-per-view. Yeah, that's... <laughs> It's kind of fucked up. I kind of wish he won that, though. Would have been nice. He'll have his time, we hope. <laughs> yeah, Jimmy Havoc getting that win was pretty funny. I remember when he got the pin, I'm like, all right, okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> he deserved it, I guess. He had state, He had fucking thumbtacks in his mouth. Okay, there it is. Because he's one of those guys where, like, he can keep losing. No one gives a but shit. But everyone still loves <laughs> yeah. him, and we know what he brings. So we thought it would be better for the other two for them to go over. I thought Darby Allen was the guy to, like, get the spotlight here. Because Joey Janela had the spotlight against John Moxley. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, okay, Darby Allen should get a win here. He's coming off the tie, too, against Cody. So oh, yeah. he can prove that he can hang with the, um, those top-tier guys. This match was awesome, man. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Next we had was the Dark Order defeating the best friends. Um, this was probably the most predictable. I don't. I, I love the best friends. I love what, uh, what Chuck Taylor does. I think, you know, when he did that suicide dive and just landed on his feet, nonchalant, took a nice walk. You remember that spot? He's just like, yeah, okay, I'm gonna walk back. And turns back, but yeah, I love what the Dark Order have done. I love their character. Um, I don't, I really don't want to see the Dark Order win like the AEW tag titles. I, I think they might. Um, if it's not them, it'll probably be the Young Bucks. But um, you, I think they got to pump the brakes with the Young Bucks for now. I think you got to maybe give someone else that top spot, and it might be the Dark Order. So. I think the right team won here, but I think uh, they were all they all had their spots. I thought it was fun. Yeah, like uh, like I said before for the first match, the tag division is just it's blowing my mind. It's been my favorite part so far. Uh, I I love Stu Grayson. I think he's amazing. Uh, you know, you get these guys together and really nothing can go wrong. They beat uh, Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy at the last charity event they did, so they are pretty hot and they're undefeated right now. And the Bucks are coming off a loss, so. This is going to be pretty interesting going forward for the tag titles. Yeah, Dark Order is their own team that they're creating, creative directions with them. So it's good that they establish a new team, but I don't want to see them win the titles so soon. Hold off on that a little bit. After the match, though, our boy debuted. You want to go into that? (laughs) Oh, yeah. um, (laughs) What the hell is their team? What's what's, uh, LAX? 
Oh no, I meant Orange Cassidy. <laughs> oh, or, oh yeah, or, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So the Dark Order is attacking them, and then uh, yeah, Orange Cassidy comes out, lights come back on, and probably the most. What would you would you say he's like the most talked about right now in professional wrestling? <laughs> He'll be the most controversial, along with Joey Ryan. Joey Ryan, <laughs> the dick. <laughs> but he just comes out with his hands in his pocket, and the crowd just loses their shit. He's just standing there. Does this suicide dive, hands in his butt. Sunglasses don't even come off. The stuff, it's, it's just golden. You've never seen it before, and then they give him the hug after. It's just a, such a funny moment. It was awesome. I think there's big things in store for Orange Cassidy. I don't know what, but that's going to be awesome. Watch next feud. Him versus Darby Allen. I don't even know. I don't know either. But yeah, Rio defeating Karushita. You guessed wrong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's okay. Rio's in a face. Nyla Rose, who's like 200 pounds, and she's like 90 pounds. So it's going to be fun. Um, I thought this match still got a lot more time than I thought. Yeah, same. Like, I'm like, okay, this is probably going to be like eight minutes. It was about 13, 14 minutes. And Rio got the win. Was it off a roll-up? I think it was off a roll-up. They were going back and forth for a while. and It wasn't like WWE where, oh, out of nowhere, she stole one. Yeah, no. It made sense. Yeah, it was perfect. Uh, now she's going to face Nyla Rose. Does she have a shot? No. <laughs> it's going to be a five-minute match. No. So you have Nyla winning. Yeah. She should. Just and having a squash, establish her as a monster, and then whoever faces her next makes the win more meaningful for the women's division. Yeah, I can see Nyla winning, but um, not a squash by any means. Because uh, Rio did pin her in the, the six-woman tag match. So you can kind of play with that a little bit. And then it'll be uh, the fun build-up, trying to slay the beast. And then in the end, yeah, I think Nyla's going to take it. But it should be awesome. Yeah. Up next we had was another awesome personal feud. Cody with MJF <laughs> and Brandy. And I don't know why. Don't get me. I don't know why Diamond Dallas Page comes out <laughs> with them. It's okay. What is this? The fucking the Star Trek theme. <laughs> I love it, but like at the same time, I could have done without it. Uh, the Husky was giving Brandy a, such a tough time. Did you see that? Yeah. The dog was like looking back, and she's like, no, face this way. It's like hitting Damn the dog. Let's go. But yeah, I, I love the match. Um, I thought for a second MJF was going to turn on Cody with the chair. thought he was going to deck him. Didn't. I guess they're going to wait for that. But this is obvious. Come on. I just see MJF turning on Cody Rhodes. You have to. I want. I want to see how it plays out, though, because their dynamic is really intriguing. And uh, just listening to MJF in interviews, how he talks about Cody, and you can tell. You can like when you listen to him, it's like, shut up. We know you're gonna turn on him, but it's it's just so funny. So I want to keep that going for a few months. Yeah, but what did you guys think of uh, Sean Spears? Because this was like the first match His debut, that right? like that we've seen. Yeah, since. Like, I don't remember. So I thought it was yeah. it was okay. I think he could have got a little more offense. But, uh, yeah, Cody, uh, I like I like. Uh, at one point during the match, he kept hitting him. And then he got up and he's like, yeah, keep hitting me. And he basically hulked up. And then that was basically it. Do you guys? What do you guys see moving forward with Cody? Do you guys see him going for the belt? Uh, I, I don't think any of the VPs are going to be the main focus for titles. I think they'll continue to have high-profile feud, like how Cody feuded with Darby Allen. Yeah. Like, you'll just see, like, things like that, and then eventually maybe the title picture will come. 
and like they'll give other people a chance to step up into that spot. Maybe soon we'll see a Cody versus Orange cast. Oh Imagine. <laughs> no, no, never. I feel bad for Pharaoh though, because when the fucking fireworks went off, oh, yeah. the dog was just terrified. Oh yeah. And then you couldn't really do anything at that point. You just had to suck it up and. I don't, was think, funny. I don't think they're doing that again, though. No, I don't. Was, that was bad backlash after. Yeah, it was not good. Jim but, Ross, though, was MVP of that match. Oh, when yeah. Arn Anderson came out and he made Oh, my God! It's Arn! A lot of shenanigans. Oh, man. Little Tully like... just looks at him. He's like, what are you doing? I gotta go follow you now. And he just <laughs> leaves them out. Okay, that's it. But, yeah, Cody getting the win to me was the most predictable. Yeah. Um, did you guys in any mind think Sean was winning? Like, I don't think so. I didn't. There was a part of me I thought, I thought he would just because uh, it's his debut and it's, it's Cody and you know he's going to Yeah, he'll be open now. Kind of like Kenny is, is going to rebound. But, yeah, I thought Sean looked really good and, you know, he's got the new look and this new character and uh, he looked great in the loss. So no complaints here. Yeah. Uh, have him win, man. How about, how about the Triple A World Tag Titles, Lucha Bros and uh, – the Young Bucks. I saw a lot of people. They said it was a spot fest, and really every ladder match is a spot fest. You can't say that it like any. Come on. Yeah, but with the Young Bucks, it's kind of just pushed up a little more. Yeah. Because there I, was a point in the match uh, where Nick Jackson was about that far from getting the title, and then he looked down and saw Buddy on the floor and thought, "Oh, let me jump instead of win the match." And it's things like that that kind of piss me off. <laughs> with that aside it was very fun <laughs> it See, was everything you'd expect in those four i I, I still think the first match they had was better than this one and people are, like i think would disagree with me but i just i don't i don't like sometimes i don't need ladder matches just give me a tag team match that's it and yeah logic in this match was not there at all they were just kept jumping on each other like even, like, there were spots where Ray Phoenix would look across and he'd see, like, Nick Jackson and it's like, okay, we're going to jump at the same time, I guess, on each other. Like, we're not going to go for the, okay, let's do it. So, just, like, stuff like that, it's kind of like, okay, you're not even going for the belt. You're just trying to beat the shit out of each other. I don't know if that if they were trying to show how much they hate each other. It's like, yeah, I really hate the Lucha Brothers. I don't want them to win, so I'm just going to jump on them from a ladder instead of just grabbing the belts. Like, if they promoted, like, the hatred before, they kind of didn't. But, yeah, I don't know. What were your thoughts, Alino? Yeah, it's, I think they overdid it with the spots because then there's nothing memorable. If you have, like, 10,000 spots in a match, one of them that's, like, a huge highlight might get lost in what people remember. It was a good match, though, but I think they may have overdid it with some of the stuff. Like, even, like, the when, he, when they took off uh, Pentagon's mask and then he put it back on and won, it's like... Okay, if if you're gonna take his mask off, and he was gonna fall from the ladder, wouldn't you assume that's when the match ends? Yeah. Like that's where like I was kind of like, okay, you took the mask off. You could have like worked with that, and then he puts it back on and he wins the match. It's like okay, I don't know. I, I'm kind of up in the air with the match. Like as a whole, I thought it was great, but I don't really know what I would grade it. Like when I'm looking back at all ladder matches, it's like. It's kind of over the top. Uh, it was, yeah, it was a spot fest, but um, it wasn't bad by any means. I'd probably agree with you. Like their first match was better, 
But it wasn't exactly a, a downhill in the pay-per-view. No, no, no. It's just like you look at the two teams involved and people were saying this is going to be the best ladder match ever. It's like you got to pump the brakes there. Like we've so seen the, some great ladder matches. The expectations were too high. I think they were too high. Uh, the spots were crazy, like Nick Jackson botching that fall and oh, gashing he, his hand. He like, didn't botch anything. <laughs> well, okay, he didn't botch it. It's the way that it I guess happened. I guess the way that it was. Yeah, um, he didn't go through the both tables, and I saw. I think it was the wire with one of the tables came out, and his hand just right on because i don't know if you yeah. saw like his hand here was just split open and i'm like oh that's great so the second is his feet hit the ropes i'm like oh this is gonna end horrendously as long as they're all okay that's the main thing <laughs> but yeah some of the spots that they went through was like kind of over the top and unnecessary it's like come on just win the match you don't have to do this got a family yeah no, I'm kidding. <laughs> you got kids but yeah the last match was the main event for the AEW title, Jericho and Adam Page. This was probably the longest Chris Jericho match I've ever seen, that at least I can remember. Um, the right guy won for me. Uh, you thought Adam Page was going to win. Uh, I thought Jericho was going to win for the publicity. He got it done. He's got the best resume in professional wrestling history. And that's where I'm going to That's where I'm gonna end it. I thought it was a great finish. He just did his finisher, the slow walk up to him and just pinning him and that was it my favorite spot was when he went for his finisher and then and then jericho out of nowhere did the code breaker oh yeah i love that spot um but yeah what were your thoughts over on the match i thought jericho looked amazing in this match yeah uh <laughs> he's one of those guys he just keeps getting better even when he like kind of physically slows down he'll he's just his character man he just continues to keep it fresh uh, my favorite part, though, was the match was obviously really good, but then they uploaded on their YouTube channel. It was like a 10-minute video. He's backstage, and he's just talking <laughs> shit about everyone. So I'm like, if you have this on your first show, and you just keep, you have Jericho with the belt on, just going around the arena talking shit, I'm like, how is someone not going to tune into this? Yeah, it's, exactly. It's Chris Jericho being Chris Jericho. The first champion is, the guy is just money. Millions of dollars. Going up to the librarians. Oh, librarians, you want me to shush up yours? And he just gives him a finger and leaves. <laughs> I actually love this match. I thought I thought Adam Page looked a lot better than like I thought he would. I didn't think he would really look that good. I wasn't really looking forward to this match that much, to be honest. When you look at like the two names, it's like, why have Chris Jericho and Adam Page when you could have had Kenny Omega and John Moxley or Kenny Omega? And Chris Jericho or Kenny Omega and someone else. Like, why is Kenny Omega not in this? So that's why, like, when I look back in Jericho beating Omega, I'm like, okay, sure. Like, <laughs> but I guess they're going to make him the first champ because he's the most well-known. And there it is. He's the most well-known, and he's now your AEW champion. He's talking shit. He's talking loud. He's talking proud. And this is going to be for very entertaining team. I don't like Adam Page. I like. I think he's great. His mic work, uh, it's very restricted. It's very. Like, he can't. To me, he will never hit that next level for me with with mic work. I don't think he hangs with the guys like Jericho, but not a lot of people do. So I'm not worried with AEW. I think the right guy won. I think the next guy to take it off him is going to be. If it's not Hangman, it's the Cleaner. He's going to bounce back. It's going to be Kenny Omega. I think they kind of hinted at something after when the 
when Page went for his press conference backstage and then and then Pac interrupted him. So maybe they're going to pick that up again, and that'll be an awesome feud going forward for Page. That would. But uh, yeah, I just I, I love Page's night. He came out on out on that fucking horse, <laughs> doing his cowboy shit that he loves, and uh, looked great in the losing effort. There's no shame there. It's that's Chris Jericho on the other side. So there's your first champion. I love how the uh, during the match. I think I don't think it was Jim Wrestling. It was the other commentator. It's like yeah, Jericho's been wrestling for 29 years. And Adam Page is 27 years old. <laughs> so, like, when you see that stat, it's just, it's so funny. It's like, yeah, this guy's literally the veteran and he's kicking the young dude's ass. Love it. Just awesome. Like now we got to go to Raw quickly because I know it's been long. You know what? I'm done talking. I want Alino to talk about this because he was so yeah. happy. He took yeah. to our group chat. Yeah. Just talk about it. The stale character is over. It's over. No more Bailey buddies. <laughs> Thank God. No more hugs. None of that bullshit. It's over. <laughs> oh, she comes out. None me. of that bullshit. On SmackDown, say, go to like some random kid that they planted in the obvious. Like she'll be like, audience. yeah, for sure. Like for make it a plant. Don't make it an actual kid because that might go wrong. Oh no. <laughs> make sure it's one of those child actors asking for a Bailey buddy. Take this Bailey buddy and shove it up your ass, kid. All right, it's done. <laughs> She's finally a heel. She needed this, I think, after Money in the Bank. It was bad. And they had an opportunity. They didn't do it. Now they did. Finally. Her and Sasha. But only bad thing is they uh, already have a feud with a heel Charlotte Flair. So this might not end well for Bailey. Now, Bailey turning heel means great things for TV. But they have no faces that are good enough to face Bailey. Nobody. Who are you gonna? You're gonna plug Carmella in there. You're gonna plug Liv Morgan in there. You're gonna plug Ember. She just turned heel. You're gonna plug Ember back in there with Bailey. Are you gonna plug Charlotte Flair to win ten titles? I think she's. Well, no, not ten, but like how many? I yeah, think it's ten. Right <laughs> so like, do you really want to make Charlotte a ten-time champ already? Like, fuck, man. Well, they literally exactly. have nobody. I think the wild card rule is pretty much shot. That's why I'm looking when I okay I'm like okay Bailey turned heel it's great, but I look at the girls on SmackDown it's like there's nobody there's literally no one. If you have to plug someone in, it, from it'd Raw, be Oscar. Yeah. If I'm plugging someone in to face Bailey, it's Oscar. They have to split up that team. Because Ember Moon yeah. just had her shot and she lost, and I'm sorry the match was underwhelming. It was. So like, <laughs> give Oscar that shot. Give Alexa Bliss that shot, maybe. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna hold off on that one. Well, yeah, she's a she's a tag champ, but she kind of she's had everything in like two years, multiple times. <laughs> she has. How about you give it to Mandy? Ooh, he's a Mandy believer. There's Mandy. no faces though. I think it's. Time Do you see for what us. we're saying? Mandy Rose is in the conversation. Who's also in a tag team. Yes. Yeah. And they also don't have anyone to face over there. That's basically <laughs> the only thing I want to talk about with Raw, but like I also want to talk about. The King of the Ring matches were solid. Uh, Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman, it's pretty funny because we don't know who's turning heel. I, I really – I want to give them the benefit of the doubt and they're going to – I they still think Seth is turning. But the way that they're building it right now, it just looks like it's Braun turning. And I don't really want to see it because, like, they're, they're making it seem like Rollins is planning everything out just to turn on Strowman. But the way that – 
Strowman is making it seem like he's being more vocal, which is kind of weird. It's like, yeah, why why do you want Stone Cold next week? Are you guys gonna like, are you are you setting something up? And then he's like, I love how Seth was like, are you kidding me, man? I'm just going out there and I'm gonna sign a contract, and that's literally it. But I really am praying that Seth turns heel here. But hey, we got Bailey turning heel, so I guess for now that's fine. But like, yeah. do you really see Strowman or Rollins turning heel? Because we did see Bray Wyatt hint that he's gonna face one of them at Hell in the Cell. So. That's where, uh, yeah, I just look at the Wyatt thing, and then everything else just kind of takes a back seat. Exactly. Because now they, they already kind of announced it for Hell in a Cell, and then you're like, okay, I don't really care for Clash of Champions, because now we're all looking forward to The Fiend. Exactly. I, I Fuck. I hope it's Rollins. Because Turning? I just, I just hope it's, like, the architect going to work here, and it's been this master plan all along, but I can just <laughs> see them out and going, yeah, Strowman, I just, you know. The John Cena tag title runs. We've seen so many of these. Yeah, it's man. <laughs> it, it, it's just like, again, rinse, repeat when it comes to that. Like you saw Cena become a champ with like The Miz. You've seen Cena become a champ with David Otunga. You've seen Cena become a champ with all these other guys. Like there are other examples too. It's just the formula that works. Yeah, like Miz with Kofi, Punk with Kofi. Like <laughs> there's just <laughs> – just, yeah, two, two main event guys. You're going to be tag champs for two weeks a month and then you're going to lose it. And that's going to help to build for your program. Just like what we saw with, I think it was a pay-per-view in 2007. I think it was Batista and the undertaker versus Sean and Cena. And they were no way out. I think so. And I think (laughs) they were both Okay, They weren't both tag champs, but I know Cena and HBK were going into that match. So it's like, you're looking at that and it's like, really, you're going to build two tag teams just so they could, Beat the fuck out of each other and then face each other after, really? You really don't have a tag team division? Because I can name you at least four teams that are not being used. Last week, Heavy Machinery, or this week, they faced a guy that looked skinnier than me in the ring. I don't know who the hell that guy was. Something Alexander. I forgot yeah. his name. Like Thomas. I don't know what his name was. The guys were making fun <laughs> of him. <laughs> the other guy looked like a fat Elvis. <laughs> Why? If you're a tag team, though, in the local area and Raw's coming to your show. Of course. You must be pretty excited. You're like, hey, we can get squashed by the Viking Raiders this week because they're <laughs> never used. Let's get in there. Exactly. But, yeah, other than that, um, the whole Bailey thing on Raw, Corbin looked pretty good. Um, I didn't like the opening segment with the OC. Yeah, me neither. They keep hinting at AJ being involved in the universal title picture, which I love. But, like, yeah, you're the, the U.S. US champion. champion. Just relax. You'll maybe get that spot in – couple months but yeah for me the main takeaway was bailey's heel turn the fire the firefly funhouse i thought was amazing but again like he's saying oh yeah like come hell in the cell like you're already saying you're gonna face them like it's it's there's no surprises anymore fuck man like i just want a surprise see like this is where it would have been would have made sense he doesn't have a firefly funhouse you have seth i guess retain beat Strowman, and then the fiend comes out and interrupts or maybe Strowman wins and the fiend comes out and interrupts and it's like why it's saying i built you i will destroy you and i will take that belt from you yeah so like see a part of me wants seth to retain and face bray wyatt but another part of me wants Strowman to fucking win and it comes full circle and you have the dark mask guy from the wyatt family braun facing Bray Wyatt. So I don't know. We'll, we have to wait and see, but that's basically it for Raw. I don't really want to mention anything else. Nothing really. 
worth mentioning. I, I, I don't know. I, Corbin had a great match with Cedric. I just think Corbin's winning it. Yeah. And all is said and done, I think Corbin's winning it. He looks great with this wife beater now. <laughs> He's not wearing the little vest. Still, He still kind of looks like a waiter with those pants. But uh, we're going to pump the brakes on that. I thought Ricochet during his match pissed me the fuck off because he did not sell the knee at all, ever. And I think he did like three moves where like he would land on his feet and he wouldn't sell the injury. And then he Irish whipped Samoa Joe at the end of the match. And then he started finally limping. And I'm like, ah. Now what's going to happen one day? He's going to be in the ring with someone. He's not going to sell. Like, let's say he's in the ring with Bobby Lashley or Brock Lesnar. He pisses them off by not selling. They're going to tag him for real. And then he is going to sell by being forced to. So it'll definitely be Yeah, so he's got to start selling a little more. Make it believable. Well, yeah, that's it for this week's episode. Um, We all probably think King Corbin's going to happen. Next week, we're probably going to do Fantasy D or centers or goalies whichever we'll we'll think about it but yeah make sure to stay tuned for next week that's it for this week